It all started with a dream. This is so stupid! <laughs> In my whole life, <laughs> I got some things to say. I'm still slowly dying, but uh. hey, we all are. <laughs> Good morning, Back Row Radio. I'm Matt, and you're streaming The Morning Side Hug. Completely loving, socially awkward, and decidedly Christian. We are a Back Row Morning Show exclusively on BackRowRadio.com. And a few weeks ago, we brought you a special Celebrating Recovery episode where we are sharing some of our bigger formatted Celebrating Recovery shows as that show no longer exists. So we're sharing those with you uh, in this this special one in each of our hours. And uh, this is part two of that. And this will finish that up as our last three big shows uh, that we are featuring here. So to preserve them for, for future generations, since, as I said, the show has been discontinued, the content that we created, uh, we feel was still sound, good, encouraging. And uh, right now, everybody needs a little bit of encouragement as uh, the world almost seems to just be falling apart around us. So uh, as we are about to dive into that, I ask that you continue to listen and uh Pull everything out of this that you can, especially this first segment, which is going to be tackling a question that I think all of us have uh, at some point in our lives, if not multiple times. Why is it that sometimes God just doesn't answer? Let's take a listen. forever family. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who has struggled with pornography and depression, but currently struggles with food addiction and codependency. My name is Matt, and welcome to Celebrating Recovery. Today, I'm going to be answering a question that we've received. Now, this is a a tough question, one that you can really feel the pain in. The question is, why doesn't God act or speak in my life? I remain in the faith because I have tried all else and know without a doubt it is real. I remain sick because I believe in a God that can move but will not. I remain tired because I believe in a God that can speak but will not. This is just a small quote from the paragraph long question of someone in pain striving for answers and he seems to not be receiving any it's an issue much more common than you may realize to have unwavering belief in God but to feel completely removed from his presence no answers to prayer no guidance no open doors no healing no happiness, and yes, 
it can be frustrating. Now, beyond that, it can be torturous. On the one hand, we know God is capable of all things. How easy it should be for him to speak and change our lives for the better. But on the other hand, we know so little about God, about his plans for our lives, about what he will do in the future with our present and past. And so a season arrives when we feel like God has abandoned us. What are we to do when we feel this way? What are we to say to others who feel this way? A.W. Tozer wrote, God is said to be absolutely free because no one and nothing can hinder him or compel him or stop him. He is able to do as he pleases always, everywhere, forever. God is sovereign. For us to accept this means that we must accept that he knows what is best for us. What shall be most beneficial for us? For those we touch and for his glory in the end. When Job was left in the sorry state he was in, his wife told him to curse God and die. Job instead said this in Job 2.10, Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In Job 13.15, he says of God, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. We have to realize that God is in control, even if he allows us to suffer, either because of our own wrongdoing or because of outside forces. He allows it. And the reasons can be many. It could be to prepare you for a worse tragedy on the way. It could be to help you realize you aren't relying on his strength or will enough. It could be to grow your character, your maturity, your endurance. It's a cliche to say that everything happens for a purpose. It's also a misnomer. God is not willing that man should sin. So when someone is hurt by the sins of others, there is no purpose behind it. But God does give purpose to everything. That's the difference. He doesn't waste a hurt. When something bad happens to us, or even if we do something wrong and have to pay for it, God will pull from it everything he can to teach us, to grow us, to give us wisdom moving forward. Silence does not mean that God isn't moving. In fact, it, it, it may mean the exact opposite, that God is working towards something bigger than you can imagine. Think about the story of Mary and Martha. When Mary and Martha told Jesus that Lazarus was dying, Jesus waited days before going to see them. And in that time, Lazarus died. Jesus did not arrive in time to heal him. Mary and Martha could have seen his inaction as Jesus not caring. But then, Four days after Lazarus died, Jesus raised him from the dead. Jesus delayed moving in a small way in order to later move in a big way. That silence can be seen as a sign of trust. When Satan wanted to torment someone to test their devotion to God, God suggested Job but did not warn him. God trusted Job and trusted him to remain faithful in his silence. 
But say you're praying and asking for healing or help and God is not giving you the answer you want. Should you then be upset? Of course not. God does not promise that everyone will be healed on earth. God does not promise that we will get all the desires of our heart. That doesn't necessarily mean you have a lack of faith or that you aren't living as righteous as you should be. Let's take a big block of text that John Backman of Relevant Magazine once wrote. He said, The yearning for wholeness is in our nature. God has asked us to cast our cares upon him in 1 Peter 5.7. And illness certainly qualifies. There's no question about it. Praying for healing is a good thing. The fact remains, though, that at times God chooses not to heal for reasons we rarely understand in full. If that happens to us and we can find a way to live into it, we might be gentler with ourselves when healing doesn't come. We might bear more patiently with our own weaknesses and pay deeper attention to the will of God for our unique situation. Who knows? God may use our condition to make the world a better place. One thing is certain, however, whether we are healed or not, we always, everywhere, have the sustaining presence of God to carry us when we can go no further. As Moses said in Deuteronomy 31.6, Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So with all this being said, I realized that when I felt this way in the past, there was no reasoning with me for a while. I was angry at God. I was determined to stay angry until he did what I thought was the right thing. I can say that many, I dare say nearly all, Christians go through a season of this at least once in their lives. And it almost always passes. What can you do in the meantime? Continue to pray. Continue to listen. Continue to read your Bible. Do what you know you are supposed to do. Do what you know will be beneficial to your faith and try to be patient. In the end, it's possible that nothing I've said here will change your mindset. You may be just as distraught and angry as you were before. If that is the case, or even if it's not, know that I'm praying for you. And I rest in the fact that I know God is both moving and speaking in your life, even if you can't see or hear it right now. But you will, my anonymous friend. Job made it out of his myriad of struggles. You will too. Your cries of God hasn't spoken, God hasn't moved, are missing one key word. Yet. We're going to take a break right there and kick it over to some music. Enjoy the best rock, rap, pop, and indie that Christian music has to offer. When we come back at the top of the next hour, we're going to be talking about hope and why it's not only a necessity, but it is a command from God. Stick around.
Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug here on BackmoRadio.com. I am Matt, and you are listening to our second Celebrating Recovery special episode as we are featuring some of our best Celebrating Recovery episodes from the now discontinued show. Uh, we wanting to preserve some of these discussions, some of these um, messages, because they are uh, good. <laughs> I mean, they're, they are uplifting, they are thought-provoking, and they are things that a lot of us need to hear, especially right now, as tough times seem to be surrounding us on a daily basis. This hour, we're going to be focusing on a message on hope. It's called Hope is a command. It's not just a necessity in your life. It is an actual command from God. Let's take a listen. forever family. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who has struggled with pornography and depression, but currently struggles with food addiction and codependency. My name is Matt, and welcome to Celebrating Recovery. Today, I want to talk to you about hope. Hope is an interesting concept. It's the belief that all will be well, even in times of trouble. And while just blind hope can make us feel more positive, hoping in the Lord is when hope becomes power. But all of us have known what it feels like to be hopeless. I know that there have been moments in my life when I felt like there was no way I could turn my sins, my baggage, and my addictions over to God. I felt like I had no ability to rely on him, to cope, to take away my temptation, to even try to be more like him. Unfortunately, this just kept me in a cycle. I felt like a failure, so I condemned myself, which made me feel like a failure. Depression, anxiety, fear, all wrapped up in this cyclical process keeping me stuck. But of course, I didn't stay in a place of hopelessness. The odd thing about hope is that we often start to hope only after we reach a time in our lives where there's nothing else we can do. When life goes off the rails, either from outside forces and unexpected trials or the consequences of our own actions catching up to us, that hope that we find in Jesus is often much more than we could expect. Remember the story of the prodigal son. The son demanded his inheritance from his father. He and his brother had been working alongside his father for years and years, and the son basically said he had enough. I want my money now, which is essentially saying, I wish you were dead. Because that inheritance is what you get after your parent dies. Brokenhearted, the father did as his son asked. Gave him the inheritance. And the son took it. And he went off 
to spend it on selfish pleasures. He spent through it so quickly, satisfying all of his appetites that are never really satisfied for sins of the flesh until he found himself out of money, living in the slop with the pigs. And of course, this is a story coming out of Jewish culture, so pigs were unclean. And he was on their level. And so in his shame, in his pain, he walked back home with nothing more than the hope that his father would let him come home as a slave just so he could have a home and food. But as soon as the father saw him coming up the road, his father dropped what he was doing and ran to him, swept him up in his arms and praised God for his son's return to the family. The prodigal son hoped for servanthood. He got a warm welcome home and a party celebrating his return. When we've accepted Christ as our Savior and our higher power, we tap into that hope, that hope that goes hand in hand with faith. In my testimony, I tell of the time that I got arrested. And I was being driven two hours to a jail. And in that two hours, I sat in the back of this car, handcuffed. And they were listening to XM radio up in the front. And as I'm sitting here, probably in my lowest point in life, I hear come across the radio the last song that my wife and I heard together. And as they're skipping through the channels, I hear my wife and I's favorite comedian. Skipping through the channels again, I hear my wife and I's song, like our song from our wedding. All three of these things in a very short window of time came over that radio station. All three very different came over those radio waves. And to me, that was God telling me, I'm here. It's going to be okay. And in that moment, sitting in that car, (laughs) sitting in that car with my hands cuffed, driving to jail with a completely unknown future of what was going to be coming next, but knowing that it was likely going to be pretty rough, I felt hope. I felt God giving me more strength, promising me there's going to be more beyond this, and I'm going to be there with you all the way through it. It is in our most desperate times that we find this hope. Hope is actually a natural response. It's something that's buried deep inside of us that comes out in our most difficult situations. We're born with it. In his letter to the Romans, Paul actually wrote that the whole of creation is in bondage because of the fall. So just like anyone in bondage, the whole of creation groans to be free. And that is to say that because of that desire, everything in creation has hope 
stamped on it. Hope means you haven't given up. This hope only comes from Jesus Christ, and it is not only God's gift to us, but it is God's command to hope, to trust, to have faith, because all will be well. Maybe not in the ways that you think, maybe not how you would prefer, but ultimately, God will never leave you nor forsake you. And what more could you even hope for? Psalm 25.5 says, Lead me, teach me, for you are the God who gives me salvation. I have no hope except in you. The desire for hope isn't bad, but to put our hope in others, in money, in work, in fame, in relationships, even in the church, in anything or anyone other than the Lord is going to leave you disappointed. But hope in the Lord is where you find a future worth chasing. George Muller said, God delights to increase the faith of his children. I say, and I say it deliberately, trials, difficulties, and sometimes defeat are the very food of faith. We should take them out of his hands as evidences of his love and care for us in developing more and more that faith which he is seeking to strengthen in us. That is hope in the tough times. We're going to take a quick break and have some more music. We'll be back at the top of the next hour with the last of our messages today, which is going to be talking about satisfaction and the three secrets behind finding a lasting version of satisfaction. Stick around. Welcome back to the Morning Side Hug. This is Matt, and you're listening to BackRowRadio.com. And today we have a special episode. It is part two uh, of our, or volume two, I guess, of our Celebrating Recovery special episodes, where we are featuring some of the the long format episodes of Celebrating Recovery that you know that show is now uh, discontinued, and so we're wanting to showcase them off for you guys. Um, because there, there's some really good messages that we don't want to just lose to the ether. Uh, if you've been a fan of the Morning Side Hug for a while, you know that we don't like to let good content go to waste. So uh, we have been for, uh, showing off these these uh, last few episodes, and this last hour here will be featuring the last one, and it is it's an important one, one of my favorite messages that I've ever written. And it's called Three Secrets to Finding Satisfaction. And uh, they might not be what you think. Enjoy. Hello 
forever family. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who has struggled with pornography and depression, but currently struggles with food addiction and codependency. My name is Matt. and Welcome to Celebrating Recovery. Today, I want to talk to you about satisfaction. Have you ever sat around the table on Thanksgiving where everybody is going around giving a small list of things they're thankful for, and then it gets to be your turn, and you rattle off uh, some generic stuff, you know, I'm thankful for family, thankful for friends, thankful for pumpkin pie, and then allow the next person to speak, all the while thinking to yourself that you really don't feel thankful, you don't feel happy. You aren't satisfied with the way life is. And as you listen to everyone else gush about the things that they are thankful for, do you start to feel like you're the only one who is unsatisfied? Every day, a countless number of people on this earth make a decision based on the fact that they are unsatisfied. Some might seem productive. I'm going to start going to the gym because I'm sick of being fat. I'm going to go back to college and finish my degree so I can get a better job. I'm going to make myself go to this singles event because I need to meet someone and I'm tired of being alone. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Nobody is satisfied. Not really. And it's only a secret because everyone wants to hide it. And how do I know nobody is satisfied? Because there's always something to complain about. There's always someone who has it better than us. There's always something about ourselves we want to change. Let's take a look at that smash hit reality show that lasted for years. It might still be on. I don't even know anymore. The Biggest Loser. Did you know that after losing all that weight, in most cases hundreds of pounds, and working so hard to achieve it, nearly everybody who leaves that show gains the weight back? Why is that? Because people don't get fat because they love food. They get fat because they're chasing satisfaction. And if we eat until we are full or stuff ourselves with guilty pleasure foods, for a few minutes afterwards, we feel that satisfaction. That is, until the guilt kicks in or another problem arises. Why do people cheat on their spouses? Because they aren't satisfied with their marriage. They find someone else who excites them and decides the risk of getting caught is worth the reward of getting that satisfaction they've been chasing their whole lives. Why do people complain about their jobs? Because they aren't satisfied with where they are. They think they would be so much happier in a better position or at a better company with better pay, more money, less hours, the surefire path to satisfaction. Maybe I can win the lottery. Of course, nobody has ever found true happiness at the bottom of a bag of chips, in the arms of a new lover, or even in the Powerball jackpot. They give in to the if-onlys of their lives, playing three wishes in their minds, knowing that if only this one thing could change, they'd be happy. And even when they get what they want, happiness still eludes them. And unfortunately, our chase for satisfaction makes us more and more reckless over time. The overeater risks his health, the adulterer risks his marriage, the gambler risks tremendous debt. Why? 
because we don't understand what satisfaction is and isn't. So here's the second secret. Satisfaction is not permanent. You may be thinking, I am satisfied sometimes. Of course you are. I've had a steak dinner before that hit me just right. Perfectly cooked, perfect char, hot and salty french fries, perfectly sweetened iced tea, fresh and crisp salad, and warm buttery rolls. I didn't overeat, but I didn't leave hungry either. For several minutes, maybe even an hour, the satisfaction I got from that perfect meal allowed me to be happy, and nothing else mattered. But it's fleeting. And I'm not just talking about food. There are a few people who have lost tons of weight and kept it off. They look like they've always dreamed or better. And while that might make them happy, there's always something else in life for them to be upset about. Suddenly, they have one less thing, one less reason to be unsatisfied. And yet they still are. People get jobs that they love all the time, accomplish goals they've always wanted to, win some great prize or championship game, meet a hero of theirs, on and on. But all of that satisfaction fades. There's nothing in the world that satisfies forever. Even things that are permanent, they will become commonplace, a part of the past. And satisfaction will again elude us. We, as humans, are designed to be unhappy with the way things are. There's always something that could be better. We're always fighting with something or someone. We're always reaching for a brass ring, and even if we grab it, we always spot a bigger, shinier brass ring that's just out of reach. I mean, Adam and Eve lived in a garden of perfection, sustained by God himself, and yet they still desired something else. So if nobody is satisfied and satisfaction isn't permanent, then what can we do to change that? Well, that's the third secret. Lasting satisfaction is only found in Jesus. In John 4, 13 through 14, says this, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Habakkuk 3, 16 through 18 says, I hear and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound, rottenness enters into my bones, my legs tremble beneath me, yet... I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation." Psalm twenty-two, twenty-six: The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Psalm 107, 9. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. There's only one kind of satisfaction that will never fade as long as we seek it. And that is satisfaction in our faith. 
Jesus is an eternal wellspring of satisfaction. But we have to come to it. We have to drink deep. We have to place that desire above all others. And part of that is realizing that we will never find satisfaction in earthly things. And then we have to stop chasing them. Which is easier said than done, I admit. I still find myself running to food time and again. It's become almost an instinct in me, and I'm desperately fighting to hand it over to God fully. There are times my marriage is harder than I want it to be. There are times when being a parent still terrifies me. There are times when I think that life could be so much better than it is. And it's not wrong to try to improve things in your life. But we're not meant to do it on our own. When I choose to dwell on the fact that God has brought me out of my old life and given me a new one, I find satisfaction. When I look at my life through the eyes of my Savior, I realize the blessings that I have and can truly be thankful for them. When I put God first, no matter how down I'm feeling, life doesn't seem so bad. If you desire satisfaction, run to your father first, because as Proverbs 19.23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. Stop chasing a perfect life. Let God show you what you have to be thankful for, and then work to be grateful for what you've been given. Practice gratitude even when you feel unsatisfied because it will soon become a habit, a part of you. And maybe by the time this Thanksgiving rolls around, you'll realize you have a lot more things to add to your list. going to do it for our celebrating recovery special stick around i'll be back in just a few moments to close out the show Thank you again for joining us this morning for this special episode of the Morning Side Hug with our Celebrating Recovery Special, Volume 2, and that actually wraps up our Celebrating Recovery Specials. That has allowed us to feature all of our uh, big discussions. Uh, we had two specials, and we also featured two of our other um, messages on previous episodes of the Morning Side Hug. And so we, we've got it all covered. We, we've covered the, the run of that show. Uh, we had high hopes for the show, but uh, honestly, it was just uh, an extra bit of content that we don't have time for at the moment to keep creating. Uh, but that might change in the future, and some new version of this might be coming along. Uh, we've, we've been working on a lot of things, actually, for our future. Uh, have some some big plans in the works that should be realized before the end of the year and we're really excited about what that means and and where we're going and uh, we might have some some new voices and new faces popping up 
so stick with us as we're kind of in this transitional period of trying to find exactly where we need to be and how things work the best. Uh, if you are finding yourself struggling with a hurt, a habit, a hang-up, something that is hindering you from becoming the, the man or woman that you want to be, that your family wants you to be, that God wants you to be, and you are looking for help, we encourage you to find a Celebrate Recovery in your area, especially now that they're starting to reopen again as the coronavirus issue is starting to wane. You can search for one in your area by going to backrowradio.com slash CR. They are a fan Celebrate Recovery is a fantastic program. I've been involved with it for over 10 years now. Uh, actually, far longer than that. Jeez, it's almost nearly 15 years I've been involved with CR. And I am the ministry leader of my home church at Celebrate Recovery. And it is just, it's an invaluable resource. It's similar to Alcoholics Anonymous in that it, it does take us through the 12 steps, but it is a faith-based 12-step recovery program, and it is for all habits, hang-ups, hurts, addictions, anything. So if you're struggling with anger, if you're struggling with overeating, with pornography, with, with uh, overspending, gambling, if you're struggling with drugs, alcohol, mental health issues, all of this, this is the community for you. Give it a shot. Give it six weeks. Find a CR in your area. Attend for six weeks. And if you still don't feel like you belong there and that's where God wants you to be, they'll gladly give you your misery back. Backrowradio.com slash CR. Put in your zip code and I am almost certain you'll find one within 20 miles of you. All right, guys. Love you. Thank you so much for joining us. Follow us on all the socials at Back Row Radio. And Mo and I will be back tomorrow for Throwback Thursday. If you see us around, we'd love a side hug. Bye!